With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page at NBC with you as always. And today, Dan Feldman from NBC Sports and I have a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo resigning in Milwaukee, what that means for the Bucks what that means for the teams that were pursuing him. Is this good for the league? And then we're going to start um, previewing the Western Conference. We'll be back later in the week with uh, Chase Hughes from NBC to, to preview these. But today we're going to be going over the West, the Lakers, and everybody after them. First, just a quick note, especially if you're a golf fan, it's a family affair at the PNC Championship as golf stars team up with family members this weekend. Don't miss Tiger Woods as he makes his event debut with his son, Charlie. Coverage begins Saturday on Peacock and on NBC. And now, without further ado, let's bring in Dan Feldman. How are you doing, Dan? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo has signed for $228 million Supermax, the largest contract in NBA history. He's staying with the Bucks. He's staying in a small market, uh, or mid- mid-sized market at least, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I guess this ultimately was the expected outcome, but I still think it's a good thing for the league, Dan. Um, I think it's a little more questionable. I mean, it, it could be good in the long run if it restores some faith in fans that, you know, stars can stay with, with their team, that they're just not all teaming up. I do think there's a distaste for that. Uh, but there's also a real taste to have stars in larger markets. Like a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people talk about the NBA a lot, don't like it, but a lot of casual fans in and around those big markets are more likely to watch. So I I think it's questionable. I I think in the short term, it's probably bad for the league. Uh, In the long term, that's where it gets questionable, but undoubtedly it is great for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, it is. It does keep them. Look, they were contenders, will be contenders. You know, we'll see when we get uh, putting up our predictions later in the week at NBCSports.com. But I think we both have, if not Milwaukee, coming out of the East, certainly right in the mix for it. Uh, this keeps them there. This keeps them in contender status. We've had questions in the past. Like, they they you know, they didn't go into the luxury tax last year. I thought Giannis might take his time and keep pressure on the organization by not signing a re-signing. I always thought it would likely he would sign the people I talked to. Always, you know, the sources I had knew something about this, thought he would ultimately re-sign. But I thought it would be next summer because he could keep pressure on the organization. I think he's kind of decided, A, this is where he wanted to be, but B, boy, a whole year of listening to questions and that kind of being asked about it in every stop and a cloud following the organization just because of that. I, I think he just decided was more than he wanted. He wanted to stay in Milwaukee. 
I had spent most of the offseason thinking he would sign the extension. There just seemed to be enough clues pointing in that direction. Uh, but the fact that he did a press conference earlier this week and dealt with all those awkward and uncomfortable yeah. questions uh, about this and like, why, why do that before signing? Why not? If you know, you're going to sign, I doubt anything changed in the last few days. Why not sign beforehand and avoid all of that? I still don't know that, but that's not a big deal, right? Like he signed, he's there long-term, uh, as far as keeping pressure on the Bucks, you know, he decided that just wasn't that important to him. And this is an organization that I'm, I'm sure they'll still pay the luxury tax this year. I don't have a ton of confidence that they'll keep paying it in future years. They they should have been paying it last year. Uh, letting Malcolm Brogdon go was such a loss. And even if you aren't going to keep Brogdon, uh, they could have structured it to create a trade exception, but that would have been costly into the luxury tax. They could have traded the first round pick they got from the Pacers for a player who could have helped them last season, but that could have been costly with the luxury tax. And in the end, what they did was they sent a team that wasn't as good as it could have been into the playoffs. And that might've had something to do with losing in the second round. Uh, if I were Giannis, I, I, I might've uh, resented that a little more. I, I might've wanted to see a little more how that play out because he would have been eligible for the exact same contract terms and free agency. He doesn't get any extra money this way. You can say he, he got the security and there's something to that. But he's also Giannis Antetokounmpo back to back MVP still young. Like he could not have suffered an injury like nope. in any reason that where teams wouldn't be lining up to offer him whatever contract he wanted. Yeah, Kevin Durant proved that, right? I mean, Kevin Durant goes down with an ACL and instantly gets a, a max. Like it's it's he could have he would have still gotten the same money from the Bucks or any team chasing him. Um, I do think that for him, this is a bit personal. This is you know, I've I've written about this before, and and talked about it on the podcast, but it's it's kind of worth repeating. Look, he grew up poor, immigrant in um, Athens, Greece, and was ostracized, really. I mean, that was just not a welcoming culture to outsiders. It was a rough, difficult upbringing. Milwaukee is not only his first home in the United States and really the only place he's lived in that sense, but it's also the first place his family has been with him and they've all been together and felt comfortable and safe and had money and security and, and been kind of embraced in a way that wasn't always the case in Greece. So I think that in some ways, this is his home. This is where his partner is. This is where his child is. And he didn't necessarily want to move on from that that easily. Um, all that factors in. At the end of the day, he's a competitive guy who wants to win. And the question is, will the Bucks keep a team? I mean, look, the team around him's going to be a contender this year. Um, whether he and that team can take a step forward remains to be seen. Um, I'm really curious to see now... The, the, it doesn't change much for the Bucks, but I think if does it change stuff if you're Toronto or Miami or Dallas or one of the teams that was kind of waiting around? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll start with the. I, I think the Mavericks and uh, Raptors are kind of locked in for now, and look, they'll have plenty of cap flexibility next summer. There are other good free agents. Like, yeah, I mean, Giannis was was the prime target. But it's not as if they can't add other good players to go with the good players they already have and continue to progress. Uh, the Heat, on the other hand, I do think have a little bit more uh, maneuverability right now. And uh, does this make them more likely to trade for James Harden? That's a really good question. If, if you were them, though, I might try to wait out Bradley Beal. I might rather see if that's going to come. Because I, I think that, look, the... the there's still good free agents, but that free agent market with Paul George off of it, Giannis Antetokounmpo off of it, 
nobody, I don't, well, I don't want to say nobody thinks Kawhi Leonard's going to leave, but I think the general consensus is Kawhi Leonard will re-sign with the Clippers. And suddenly the top of that market isn't quite as stunning as it was, you know, on paper. Um, I think it shakes out the trade market a little bit, though. If you're Miami, I think it also just depends on what you're going to pay for Harden, right? Like not to go too far down the Miami and trade rabbit hole, but like if it's Tyler Hero and pieces, I might do that. I mean, as much as I think Tyler Hero is an up-and-coming star, man, it's he's not three MVP, top three player in the world talent. Yeah, I, I would do Tyler Hero and, you know, the what, the expiring contracts, the whatever of Kelly Olenek, uh, Myers Leonard, Iguodala. Uh, you know, I, I guess with Myers Leonard, it'll depend when the trade is made, whether he can be included as that, because I'd rather ship him out than Iguodala, but whatever. Like, that is an automatic... I would do it unless I am just absolutely certain Harden doesn't fit with the culture, uh, which may be the case, but I, I don't, from what I can see, I wouldn't have that level of certainty. Like I think maybe he'd be adaptable. It gets interesting when you talk about throwing in first round picks. Uh, I don't think I would do it for all of the picks not nailed down. I mean, what the heat could do is they owe a 2023 first rounder to Oklahoma city that right now is lottery protected. They could take the lottery protection off that. Uh, and then include two more first-round picks. Otherwise, if, if they don't take the ladder protection off, really, it's only one first-round pick. Uh, I don't know if that's enough for for the Rockets. I mean, they're holding a high line. But for me, I'm thinking about that. If it's Tyler Hero uh, unprotecting one first-round pick for Oklahoma City, which, hey, great for Oklahoma City being in the right place, right time, and then two other first-round picks going from Miami to Oklahoma City and just expiring contracts, I would think long and hard about that as the Heat. I, I think Harden could fit well on the court, like be their go-to offensive player. They'd still have a lot of defense around him with Jimmy Butler, uh, with Bam Adebayo, uh, shooting potentially if they don't have to give up Duncan Robinson. Like James Harden gets his teammates open three-pointers. It could be a really, really good team. This could be the way to upgrade. Duncan Robinson, though, I wouldn't you ask for him? But that's, that's another thing. Like Duncan Robinson would be the perfect fit around Butler and Harden and, that, and Bam, for that matter. Bam's become an improved passer. But – that said, if I I would just I, he would be part of my request if I were Houston, um, but sure. But we'll if see. you're getting hero and two first rounders potentially, like yeah, at, at a certain point you just gotta you gotta take it. Yeah, we'll see what comes up. I think if you're someone like Dallas, you, look. If you're Dallas, you still have Luka Doncic. You've got Kristaps Porzingis. You're looking for that third player, but you can be a little bit patient. Uh, Miami, I mean uh, Toronto, you. You're rebuilding around Pascal Siakam. You've got again. You have some nice young players. They'll. You know who they need to resign? Messiah Jury. Like that's now their priority. That's their Giannis. They need to keep him in house. If if not, uh, things could get interesting up there. So, um, all of that's really look at the end of the day. Giannis Antetokounmpo is staying with the Bucks, and that's a good one. We're gonna jump now out to the West, Dan, the Western Conference, where it's. At least in my mind, it starts with the Los Angeles Lakers as their own tier, right? Like they are the proven the champions. They are the proven best team in the West, and they got better this offseason. Well, I think they got better for the regular season. I think I yeah. think that's clear. I think Montrez Harrell, good regular season player. Dennis Schroeder, good regular season player. Uh, especially Harrell, how they translate to the playoffs is more questionable. But there's also value in having good regular season players. That that helps you uh, get more rest for LeBron, more rest for Anthony Davis, more rest for Marc Gasol. Uh, yeah, you know. So I, I do think they're they're better. I, I, I kind of describe their offseason as a overrated but still good. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. That I'm not sure. I think, I think Schroeder can help them in the postseason. I think Schroeder's just that secondary shot creator that's vastly superior to who they've had, um, and and he's a pretty good catch and shoot guy. I think he'll fit in really well. I, with Harold, yeah, like Harold, we saw him get played off the floor. That's not going to change. Uh, but that's why you have Mark Gasol in there. And by the way, by the time you get to the second round of the playoffs and beyond, you better be giving a lot of those center minutes to Anthony Davis anyway, right? Like, you know, it's it, if you've got the best center on the planet, and I still think Anthony Davis is that, um, you should use him in that role more and more as you get deeper into the playoffs. You know, I think he understands that as well. He just doesn't want to put up with that, um, the, the physical part of that for, a full 82 or 72, 72 yeah yeah as, as the case may be so um well i do think that that's why the montrez Harrell edition while i do think it's somewhat good it's a big opportunity cost not to add another wing right like that right. you know if you're playing anthony davis at center and lebron at power forward you need another wing out there and sure i mean it's not like the lakers have none right wesley matthews alex caruso kcp like uh it's not like they just are completely barren kyle kuzma can, can play small forward. I, I think if they you didn't say taylor horton tucker they're going to kill oh, you in los oh. angeles I, I was just saving the best for last <laughs> okay that's why i was getting lebron out of out of the way early and so i could get to taylor horton tucker at the end <laughs> uh markeith morris is in there too once he gets healthy yeah mm-hmm. yeah they've got wings um they've got I, i'm with you they could use some depth out there but i also Look, there'll be a team A that's willing to pay the tax, and I think that they're a team that might – they could make a trade. Kuzma's their most affordable – you know, the trade piece they have dangled out there the most. Um, or they could – you know, they there will be guys at the buyout market that they may be able to add to. I don't think that this is what the final Laker roster ultimately looks like. I mean, that is their advantage, right? They're the ultimate yeah. buyout destination – uh, being in Los Angeles, getting to play with LeBron on a team with a championship chance, uh, that's working for them. Yeah, and they're going to take advantage of that. Uh, teams that could knock the Lakers off that top pedestal, I, I guess if you're talking about the playoffs, because I, I'm going to define this differently. I think Denver could finish as a number one seed. I think Denver could be the best regular season team in the West, um, depending on, on you know, look, the Lakers are still the team to beat, but like we said, they may – they're going to get LeBron some rest. They're going to get uh, AD some rest in there. But in the playoffs, I think it's the Clippers is the one team that can match up with them up and down because they've got, look, at the top of the board, Kawhi Leonard can play at a LeBron superstar level for a stretch in the playoffs. Paul George, despite his playoff woes last year, can still play at that level. But they, look, they've got Patrick Beverly. They've got... Marcus Morris who will help them. Serge Ibaka, Ivaka Zubac uh, inside. Like they've got the pieces around them to to put together lineups that could challenge the Lakers if it uh, comes together. They absolutely do. I mean, I have them in a second tier by themselves, but I think uh, they're closer to the Lakers tier than than the next tier. Uh, you know, I, who was your pick going into the playoffs last year to win the title? Mine was the Clippers. Yeah, I had the Clippers too. I, I ended up switching that a little bit into the playoffs. Um, yeah, because it was pretty evident that they just weren't even by the end of the first round that it just was not going to come together for them. The bubble was like the Lakers' cohesion and the culture of of the LeBron James culture in that locker room 
was better suited for playoff basketball than the Clippers, who uh, who struggled and, and and had personal struggle. You know, Paul George talked about it. Like this, the bubble hit some teams harder than others. Exactly, and that's why I I think maybe maybe the Clippers belong right there in the discussion with the Lakers. You know, I, I'm not sure how many of the Clippers problems are going to be sustained into next season. I think their chemistry should be better with uh, Montrezl Harrell switching teams. I'm not blaming Montrezl Harrell for that, but he and Paul George didn't get along. Like that's just what it but was. It's also and it's also like the Clippers this offseason, not only just bringing in Ty Lue, but but they made it really clear what the pecking order is going to be, right? Like, Hey, we're extending, we're trading Montrez Harrell. We're extending Paul George. So this part of the old school, the, I, I'm not sure if Lou Williams is there at the end of the season. Cause he was part of that old school thing, you know, Patrick Beverly, but they made real clear to everybody. This is the pecking order. This is what it is. Yep. Yep. And they still got the talent. They've still got the depth, the versatility, a, a lot of the reasons that we both, pick them to win the championship yes. going to the playoffs. And it's not like either one of us were surprised by the Lakers. We both had them right, right there. Behind. Yeah. It was, it was almost a coin flip. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But, but you know, when we were splitting hairs, we both went with the Clippers and a lot of those same qualities, the Clippers still have. Yeah. They still have, I think wing plays elite wing plays so hard to come by in the playoffs and the Clippers should have two of the top handful in the league in that role. Um, you know, I mentioned Denver, and you don't seem to have them on the same tier. Are you thinking Jamal Murray's a bubble guy, or that they just don't have enough around it? Uh, so I have the Nuggets uh, third in my projected standings, and in a tier with the Jazz. Um, and it's similar to you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I, if they finished higher than third in the regular season. I, I'm just guess, going kind of overall on this, not predicting yeah. regular season standings right now. Um, I think they're really going to miss Jeremy Grant. I don't yes. know as they advance in the playoffs, who's going to defend LeBron? Who's going to defend Kawhi Leonard? So I think it's going to be tough for the Nuggets. I like Jermichael Green as a regular season replacement, Paul Millsap as a regular season replacement, but they just don't have the athleticism, the versatility to defend, uh, you know, up a position at small forward that, that Jeremy granted, I think they'll miss him in time. Uh, the Nuggets, I know I'm a believer in Jamal Murray. I don't think he's going to shoot quite as well as he did in the playoffs last year. But I do think that was a sign that he's continuing to progress as a player. I, I've liked him his whole career. He's very talented. I, he's young. I think he's been on the right track. And uh, the playoffs only confirmed that. I like Nikola Jokic a lot. I like their depth. I think they're going to be a very good team. Uh, I just think they're not quite on the level of the Lakers and Clippers. What about Michael Porter Jr. as their third star? But that doesn't really bring you much defense yet. Exactly. That, I mean, he's intriguing. He can score. He can do a lot of things. And he's got the length. He's got the size. Like, he could be a better defender. He's nowhere near there yet. I think there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, but he's intriguing. Like, he is their path to breaking through into that next level. Yeah. I have this weird thing. You were talking about tiers. I kind of – I have the Nuggets and Clippers kind of – Lakers, one, two, three. Then to me, once you get to four through about nine – if you told me it was in any order, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like I, um, I have Dallas four right now and Utah five, but that could easily flop for me. I have those two just ahead of the next four teams that I'm sure you also have in this, what you're calling a four through nine tier. I'd call a six through nine tier, but I do think I have the jazz ahead of the Mavericks. I think the jazz have have a lot of good pieces. I think they fit better together. Now I, for the short term, I like their offseason. Derek Favors fill, fills a hole as somebody who can yes. 
play behind Rudy Gobert when he sits, keep the the Jazz humming defensively. I think those two can play together. Like the floor spacing is not going to be good. The offense will suffer, but I think the defensive gains are even bigger than the offensive losses. When they when Derek Favors was in Utah the first time, that combination was very good. It was much better defensively than offensively, but overall still very good. Uh, the Mavericks could be right there too. Some of it's going to depend on Luka Doncic's conditioning, Kristaps Porzingis's health. Uh, but they're a younger team. I, I think they're headed, you know, in the right direction. I, I just have them slightly behind Utah. Yeah. I, then you get into this to me, uh, you, you mentioned it like trailblazers, warriors, rockets, Suns. I'll even throw the Pelicans in there right now. Like I, I think the trailblazers is the best of that group. In fact, I almost had them a little higher on this ranking. It's just hard in the West. I don't think there's much margin for error there. I think that their off season was really good. Adding coming to get look, they've got wings. They've got defense on the wings now, um, which has long been a knock. They still have Dame Lillard, who looking. If you're looking for a good long shot MVP bet, dude, I don't leave. I I, I kind of like Lillard in that spot. Um, not, yeah, um, they could they could be higher up this ranking. I kind of think they're in, but. I don't think their margin for error is that great. I don't know what to make of the Warriors, and I don't know what to make of the Rockets because I don't know what their you know. I know what the Warriors roster is going to look like, but they're just not quite the same without Clay Thompson. The, you know, um, they don't have a lot of depth behind him, and I don't know what the Rockets are going <laughs> to. I just you know, how are they going to deal with the the James Harden situation? I mean, he'll show up and he'll put up points. Can he play with Wall? Do they trade him halfway through the year? I just have no idea what's going to happen with Houston. Yeah, the Warriors and Rockets are are two of the most uncertain teams that yeah. I, I can remember in a long time going into a season. Um, to go back to the Trailblazers for a second, yeah, I also really like their offseason, especially for the short term. I think sometimes people run into trouble, though, uh, when not setting the right baseline for them. People kind of say, oh, the Trailblazers were the eighth seed. They're even better this year. I don't think that's the right way to look at it. The Trailblazers went 35 and 39 last year. That almost never gets a team into the Western Conference playoffs. They happen to do it in the right year where, you know, they could get in with with that poor of a record. The the bar for making the Western Conference playoffs was just, for whatever reason, it just turned out to be very low. I, because of the depth of the teams we're talking about right now, I don't think that'll be the case next year. They were a team with a losing record that got better. I think that gets them into the playoffs, but they're near that border because we've just identified nine, you say 10, I don't quite have the Pelicans there, but nine, 10 ish that are right in that mix. I mean, the play in could be fun, uh, but, but as far as he's making the playoffs, somebody's going to get left out and it's really going to sting. The Warriors could be anything. Like I, I don't know. My big question mark is Draymond green. He was not good last year. I kind of think he was just sleeping through sleepwalking through a, a down year. But he's also getting older. I'm not sure how many nights per year he can bring it. This is a team that needs him in the regular season. Now he can't just wait for the playoffs. He can't just wait for next season. They need him in the regular season. I think Steph Curry can handle a huge low, be excellent offensively, but I'm not sure on his health, even if he misses a little time, like imagine golden state's offense when Steph Curry sits, when he misses games, I think it could be real, real ugly. Uh, I think you vastly underestimate the Andrew Wiggins potential. Uh, <laughs> you, as, you know what? Get, you know what gets me is all the people who are high on the Warriors say stuff like, "Yeah, but Andrew Wiggins has never gotten to play with Steph Curry. He's going to get so many open three pointers now." I was thinking, man, you got your your like optimistic take is Andrew Wiggins getting a lot of open shots. I mean, I guess it's better than his you know closely defended shots, but I'm not sure <laughs> Andrew Wiggins shooting a lot. 
even open is ideal. Uh, let's just run through this really quick, though. Lakers, Nuggets, Jazz, Mavericks. Nuggets. I mean, there's some really good teams that are going to end up missing the playoffs, Dan. I mean, missing not missing the playoffs, missing get, not getting bumped in the first round and not advancing. Uh, I'm less concerned. I think the more interesting line is teams missing the playoffs. Although I will say this. So like we, we identify nine to 10 teams all the way down to the Pelicans yeah. where you feel like those kind of look like playoff worthy ish teams. I think at least one or two of them, either via trade, like the Rockets with Harden or injury are just going to wind up like, okay, yeah. it wasn't working out this year. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Suns for a second. They're everybody's favorite team to kind of make a leap after the eight, no run and then going and getting Chris Paul. How good do you think they can be? You know, I, I do have them in, uh, that six to nine range. I have them right behind yeah. the Trailblazers for seventh. I, I like the Chris Paul addition. I think he fits well. I think they did well to get Jay Crowder with the mid-level exception. I really like you know, a couple of their minimum signings, uh, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore to round out their depth. Like I think they went about it the right way to upgrade. I'm I was not the biggest believer in their eight no bubble being that great. It was good. It was nice. It was encouraging. They did it with their young players. There were a lot of positives. I'll throw that into the good but overrated group right there with the Lakers offseason. Uh, but to build on that bubble with those acquisitions, I, I'm a believer. Yeah, I think that this team is going to be, I just think they're in a tough conference, but I think that they're going to make a big step forward this, take a big step forward this year. I think they, like, I'm with you. I eventually, one of those, t- I see them as the eight seed probably because I just got a feeling somebody above them will slip up. Um, you're not as big a believer in the Pelicans. I, I get that. I'm kind of, I don't know. Maybe I've watched too much of them a little bit this preseason thought, man, this still could come together. I still think Zion can work. I just, I'm not sold that they have the, I guess, are we trusting Lonzo ball to be the shot creator on that roster? Who's going to do that? Um, who's going to, who's going to be the floor general there? Yeah. I mean, that goes into to where my, my issue is. I do think uh, that on talent, they belong in, in that four through, or excuse me, that six through nine tier. The reason I have them 10th temp, temp is I just don't think they have the, the right blend of spacing and shot creation, yeah. like you said with Lonzo. But the rest of the starting lineup projects to be Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Stephen Adams. I think it's just going to be a little too clunky. Now, they could yeah. mix and match a little bit. J.J. Redick off the bench, Josh Hart off the bench. Somebody could start, stagger. Like they, There are ways to make it work. But the fact that they went out and traded for Steven Adams suggests to me that they're not as interested in making it work as I think they should be. Yeah, I, the Steven Adams thing is interesting because, look, Steven Adams is a solid NBA center. Like, don't get, get me wrong. Like, I think he brings value to a team. I'm just not sure this was the fit here. Is it was he? Is he a placeholder because you think you can turn Jackson Hayes into something in a couple years? Or, or is it – I just – I, I, I don't think he's a crutch. I think he's a crutch because you can't depend on Zion Williamson to defend it all, to defensively rebound. Like he just doesn't do those things right now. And I think some of it is because he hasn't been in good enough shape to do that and to to play offense like he can and is very helpful. And and so I I look at Steven Adams basically training wheels. Yeah, maybe a little of that. I'm just not sold on that team completely. I'm more sold on them than the Timberwolves, though, who are the one team you look at and you're like, man, they've got Carl Anthony Towns. They've got D'Angelo Russell. They've got some pieces there, but I just can't – I don't see them defending well, and I don't see it coming together. I mean, I think their offense is going to be good. As long as Carl Anthony Towns stays healthy, their offense is going to be good. He's elite. Um, But I just – are they going to get enough stops to win? 
Yeah, exactly. I think their offense will be very good, but I don't think it'll be elite enough to make up for their defense. But they're young on the bright side, right? You know, Towns is young. D'Angelo Russell is young. Uh, you know, they had the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, is how he goes. Malik Beasley is is young. Like this is a team that I think is going to grow into something. They they've got good young pieces, but I don't think they're ready in this Western Conference. They they'd be far more intriguing in the East. They would be really interesting in the East, and the East is still, by the way, way deeper than it was. Um, you know, again, I just you know in the East you're going to end up with teams missing the playoffs or not missing the playoffs, but getting bounced in the second round that are going to take that pretty hard. I think you're going to see that in the West too. I just Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz. Chailed Brazers, Mavericks, Warriors, three of those teams don't advance out of the first round. I mean, that was seven deep without even getting to, into anybody else. And yeah, I, I think, think I think out. it's gonna be hard. I think it's gonna be hard for teams like the Trailblazers or Dallas or Utah if they don't advance. See, I just think outside of Los Angeles, I'm not sure any of those teams really at this point feels entitled to be beyond the first round. Like they'd all like to be. But I, I just don't look at any of those teams as I, feeling I, like we, we I think got Denver. It. I think Denver and Portland do. I think that they they have both been to the conference finals the last two years um, and believe that they have pieces to go back, even if you and I are not quite so sure about that. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it, these teams' internal expectations are often too high. That yeah. is true. Uh, as we just uh, round out the bottom of the Western Conference wrestlers, I, I, look – this is a really interesting and fun team um, down there. I mean, look, I like Memphis. They're going to be without Jared Jackson Jr. First stretch of the season. I think that this is a, what the phrase would be a consolidation year, but they've got some real talent there. And it's obviously fun to watch John Morant. And I still think that's a team on the rise going the right direction. They're just not good enough in the West and a, kind of the same with the Kings. Uh, we'll see what the new management does with them, but you know, they, they have locked up the Aaron Fox. Yeah, agreed all around. I mean, these are two teams that showed patience this offseason. Uh, yeah. They're not trying to rush forward. I think that's good for for both of them. I think the Grizzlies are, are going to miss Jay Crowder, who was part of them building up their record last year, right, before getting yeah. traded to, to Miami. Even, even Solomon Hill w- was part of that. And so to lose them, I, I think those are small losses that, that they felt last year that they'll feel over the full season this year. But their young players will have more room to grow up, and they'll be better in the long term. For it. I, I really like the Kings drafting a, a Halliburton. I think he, you know he was yeah, the number three prospect on my board. Uh, you get a good young talent like that, you remain patient. You figure out the rest. Yeah, exactly. I still think you know. Obviously, the, I think the thing you're watching with the Kings, the thing that really determines how good they are this year, but also what steps they've got to take next is what does Bagley look like. I mean, that's the guy you're kind of waiting on, right? That's the the piece you have to see. How good is Marvin Bagley going to be? Is he a rotation player? Is he going to be what you, you know, obviously what Vlade hoped when he drafted him? Or, or where are you going to go with this? And if he's not, like, how do you start filling in that gap? I, I guess is the next step. And, you know, I, I, I think he's the guy to watch there over this season. I agree because they're waiting, waiting anyway. Like they took the yeah. patient approach, but I, I would not be holding up any of my plans because of him. Like if he, if he no. turns out, if his athleticism all of a sudden uh, pops to, to where it clicks with, with the rest of his game and, and like the skills come together and everything comes together. Great. But I would not be making any plans around him to, to me, the centerpieces are Fox and Halliburton. That's yeah. it. 
Um, San Antonio will, what can we say about San Antonio? They've still got a really great coach in Greg Popovich and they will be better than the Thunder. You sure? Not completely. But enough <laughs> that I, uh, am I making some sort of large bet on that? No, but I will take the Spurs. I still, you know, yeah, I, will. I like I their mean, backcourt. Yeah, they, they've got a, a bunch of B-level prospects. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is still pretty good in the right role. DeMar DeRozan is still pretty good yeah. in the right role. I don't know how that comes together enough. Uh, but Greg Popovich has, you know, got, I don't know if he's gotten lesser teams to the playoffs, but he's gotten similar teams to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, he has. And I mean, look, if you've got Aldridge and DeRozan on your roster, A, you're trying to trade them, but B, <laughs> you're going to take a lot of mid-range shots, but they hit them at a, they have in the past hit them at a relatively efficient rate. Whether they will continue to do that remains to be seen. But what, when Aldridge that way, when Aldridge started shooting three pointers last year, it came together. Uh, they also resigned Yako Pertl, though. Like I don't know how DeRozan and Pertl can play together. Neither one shoots from the perimeter. Aldridge is the key to unlocking it. I you got to juggle the minutes just right to make this work. Um. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's hard not to pick the Lakers coming out for me. Like, if I have to pick who's most likely to come out of the West, and I'd probably put them over the field. I'd probably take the Lakers over the field, and then, I don't know, I'd put them at 55%, 60%, and then heavy on the Clippers, and we'll go from there. I, the Clippers just have to prove it to me um, after last year, and I know I like, look, I love Ty Lue. Um, I like the steps they've made, but I, I have to see it. Yeah, I guess I'd have the Lakers at about 50%, the Clippers at about 40%, and everybody else at about 10 Yeah, I, that seems that seems reasonable. I think that I was going to say 55-35, but yeah, something like that, because the Clippers are the one team, again, I think talent-wise can do it. And then, hey, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, James Harden gets traded to the Grizzlies, and they take off, man. You, you, all <laughs> sorts of things. <laughs> okay, probably not that one, but... Uh, it is going to be a wild season. And I think what's crazy about the West is the other part of this is, you know, we're talking about, Oh, I hate to use a specific team, but we will just for fun. We're talking about the Denver nuggets as being the, you know, the two, three seed type of guy. They get a couple players with coronavirus for three weeks and there's just no forgiveness in this conference. And they could easily slide down to four, five, six, right? Like there's just the, the gap between these teams is not going to be that great. And a couple of bad weeks is going to be rough. It is. Um, and this could work in either direction. There is going to be a new yes. play in tournament this year. And so, you know, you, you might say, well, that could even it out, right? That, okay. Maybe you fell uh, from, you know, uh, let's say you fell from like, you would have been sixth and now you're ninth but you still get a shot in the playing tournament. You like, if you're that good, you yeah. can still work your way in. However, maybe the best teams uh, won't be at full strength when the playing tournament is happening. So that could, that could flip it the other way. Yeah. I think that's, you sometimes catch teams at the end that are, have faded for whatever, whether injury or some other reason have just kind of faded. So I look, I'm a fan of the play in tournament. I kind of wish there had been what they did in the bubble with a, uh, Something where, if, and I know this would have been hard to set up, but if you're the seven seed and you have a five game lead, you shouldn't have to play your way in, right? Like you would, to me, you've already earned the, your way in. And granted, you only have to win one game out of two or whatever, but to me, you've kind of earned your way in already if you've created that kind of gap. I, I, I kind of wish that were in there, but I understand for 
broadcasting reasons why it's difficult to have this. So we've got this flex tournament coming up at the end of the season, and we don't know what it's going to look like. Who wants to bid on that is is a little tougher. It is. It is. Uh, but you're right. From a competitive fairness standpoint, it would have been better. And, you know, I, again, it's tough because there are multiple TV networks involved. But if you had it that way where there were that that limit of it, you got to be within so many games that would increase interest in late season regular games like overall for ratings yeah. that still could have worked, but not necessarily for a certain TV network. And so that gets tougher. Yeah. And I still think that those games will be interesting. I mean, just list I've got there if you got end up with Rocket Suns that's a pretty interesting first round matchup depending on what the Rockets look like at that point right that's why I, I like this play in tournament I, I was against it for a while because I thought it devalued the regular season but the more I've thought about it it's the opposite we we really need to change how we talk about the playoffs there are six playoff spots up for grabs in the regular season that's it like the bar is higher it used to be eight now it's only six you really got cracking that top six to feel assured of the playoffs and so yes the bar to get it into the play-in is a little lower you can be seven eight nine ten uh, but teams don't want to be in that play in tournament they want to make the playoffs and the, to get your way in you gotta be top six not top eight anymore yeah and i also again i think that there are times we've said this before in the past we're like man you know this team finished as the nine seed, but they had really come together after the all-star break and put on a run. And man, that was not that they were going to sneak in and knock off the one seed, but they would have made things interesting and kind of deserved that run. And now they actually get their chance. They get, they, that team will get its chance to prove it belongs. So I, I'm with you. I think this is a good thing overall, even if I could try to nitpick it, I think it's going to be fun to watch that team even now would have a chance to get up to the, the seven seed and have an easier yeah. matchup against the yeah, you don't you don't only have to face the Clippers, not the Lakers. So yeah, congratulations. <laughs> I, but I think it does generate more interest in the sense that you kind of play your way in and get excited as, as opposed to, yay, we got the eight seed. We're going to get smacked around. Like there's some buzz at least going in and trying to get that spot. Well, it depends on the team because you might see some teams in the play-in tournament that uh, don't want to go further. That's true. <laughs> there's always going to be that and the uh, Whatever happens, Dan, we'll be watching it. We'll be covering it at NBC Sports. Uh, you can always catch Dan on Twitter at his famous Twitter address. Dan Feldman, NBA. And uh, I'm at Basketball Talk. We will have plenty of talk and, and follow up on Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as look everything else going up leading to the start of the NBA season next Tuesday. Man, that came fast. Um, I also need to finish my Christmas shopping. Um, happy Hanukkah to you, Dan. Uh, to quote Smokey Robinson, happy Chinooka. <laughs> well done. Can never go wrong with Smokey Robinson quotes. And uh, we will be back later this week, like I said, with Chase Hughes from uh, NBC Sports Washington to talk about, well, that's an interesting team in Washington, Dan. Uh, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be talking about the Wizards plus Giannis with him and, and how the East is going to shake out uh, later this week. And then Dan and I will be back at the start of next week with our predictions both for the playoffs but also for all the awards. So uh, we will be back then. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.